Lake Forest Podcast is supported by viewers, listeners, and businesses just like you. Looking for the best pool supplies? Look no further than Doheny's Pool Supplies. With a history dating back to 1967, this family-owned business offers everything families need to keep their pools clean and sparkling from chemicals to equipment. Plus, customers enjoy free shipping on all orders. Visit Doheny's Pool Supplies today at doheny.com, D-O-H-E-N-Y.com to learn more. Broker Michelle Parno has lived and worked in Lake Forest for over two decades. Michelle's lending experience when combined with her real estate expertise makes her an invaluable asset to her clients as they navigate their home buying or selling process. Call Michelle now at 847-528-8721, 847-528-8721. For the best cannabis in the world, look no further than Iliad Epic Grow. Owned by Lake Bluff's own Rich Ruzich, they are a cannabis cultivation center focused Focusing on hard to find small batch products that will delight both the occasional user and Ganjier. When visiting Michigan, ask for it by name, Epic Products, Exceptional Process. For more information, email info at iliadgrow.com. Navy Communications has been helping first responders arrive safely since 1983. It's owned by Lake Forest own Mike Havey. Check them out at havycommunications.com. Laracy and Company CPAs founded in 2010 by Lake Forest own Brian Laracy specializes in tax preparation and bookkeeping services. Earning the People Love Us on Yelp Award, their process is straightforward. Just upload, review, and file. For a free quote, visit laracycpa.com now. That's L-A-R-I-S-E-Y-C-P-A dot Explore top tier aesthetic care and aesthetic beauty lounge where they specialize in the latest Botox and fillers. Experience the pinnacle of elegance and professionalism in every treatment. Ready for your transformation? Visit Aesthetic Beauty Lounge at 775 Bank Lane in Lake Forest. That's near Wisconsin Avenue. Begin your journey to beauty today. We'd also like to say we're thankful for our Patreon supporters. Otto, John C., Helen, and Herrick. Hey, good morning, Pete. Can you hear me? Yeah, hey, Jake. How are you? Absolutely fantastic. You in uh, Illinois or Florida? I'm guessing Florida. I am in Florida. Hold on one second. I don't know why it's not on the camera. There I am. And here's Joe. What's the uh, weather there? Chilly this morning. It was only uh, about 50 degrees when we woke up, so the high today is pretty, pretty cool. I think it's only going up to like 65. Oh, you poor guys. I know. It's a shame. But, yeah. you know, well, we're in North Florida. So, you know, we don't get the benefit of having those uh, southern Gulf breezes. We're just kind of like, you know, same same latitude as like Panama City, you know, just maybe an hour south of Georgia. Hey, say hi to Joe Weiss. Hey, Joe. Jay. How are nice you? Nice to see you again. I'm How are you? I'm celebrating my uh, son's college getting into the Fiesta Bowl. Wonderful. Oh, yeah. Congratulations. Very exciting. But I, I have another hat. I'll wear this one. I got the Liberty shirt, and I'll wear the Lake Forest Scouts hat with the arrow. You got to you got to get one of those hats where it's double sided. You can just flip it around. Like Ray Rayner hat back in the day yeah. with the Cubs in the socks. Yeah, definitely. All right. So Actually, is this I'll, I'll wear a hat. I, I feel feel stupid. Are, are, we, are we recording for the show right now, or this Absolutely. is just preamble? Pete, Pete starts the recording when as soon as he wakes up. I mean, we, uh, oh. 
<laughs> he's got a GoPro strapped to his chest in the shower, and it's, you know, yeah, it's not a pretty sight. No, <laughs> it's no, it's just three, three guys at the bar sitting down having a little chat. That that's all. So this is what happens. We show up. We don't all get there at the same time, but we're here having a having a brew. And uh, Joe says, "Who who the hell is Jake uh, Weiser? Who is Jake? I, I personally? You had a, you were mocking my name, Joe Weiss, Jake Weiser. No, just a, a <laughs> wonderful coincidence. No, so uh, my name is Jake Weiser. I am a former resident of Lake Forest. I recently moved uh, out of Illinois, and I just wanted to share my experience and what that was like. I was on the caucus committee for two years, um, oh. did some volunteer work with them. Um, what, what years? Who was the president back then? Uh, so the first year was Kim Fall, and then second year was Dave Hunt. So we were there. We were on the caucus together. Very briefly. Very briefly. <laughs> I seem to remember there was uh, there was a kerfuffle or some sort of uh, disagreement. Let's say. Uh, Jim, Pete, wanted... I don't know if you. I don't know if you recall this conversation. I think we were in the Lantern, and it was you know long after you had departed the caucus, and you had asked me, you know, if there was going to be a vote, would you have voted against me? I'm like, probably. You know. <laughs> But, you know, I just wanted to tell you the truth and tell you honestly. So, right, sure. And I think so, that you so. respected my honesty. So I, I appreciate that. For for the people that don't know, uh, <laughs> what was your experience of what, what happened back then? Because there's a whole bunch of different views what's going on and and there's there's no secrets anymore. What what do you remember about back back in the day when good old Pete Chances was part of the caucus? You know what? Uh, I think our tenure on the caucus overlapped so briefly and I was so new that I was kind of, you know, out of the frying pan and into the fire. I, I kind of didn't really have any sort of idea what was really going on. And I was vaguely familiar with the work you were doing on the podcast. I, I wasn't listening regularly or anything like that. But uh, I did have a conversation with people on the executive committee and they they said, hey, we're having an issue, you know, what what's your thoughts and et cetera. And, you know, we shared our, our a conversation about that. And, you know, obviously it, it went the course that it did and it never really came to, to have it being super contentious within the entire caucus committee. But uh, yeah, I was just, I was so new to the whole process. Yeah. I, I really just thought, I thought I was doing like interviews for boards and committees, like all of a sudden now I'm deciding kind of personnel matters or having to give my input on it. And I was, I was really just uh, kind of confused by the whole thing in the beginning. But, you know, as time went on and I learned more about it, obviously, you know, I kind of I don't want to say, you know, where I fall uh, on, you know, how that went down. But, you know, it was definitely an interesting experience to get initiated into the the caucus process. Well, we had uh, it was a similar situation, two different ways to handle things. OK, I bowed out because um you know, the disagreements that I had with the executive committee, that was costing uh, meeting time, you know. So to, to get me out of the caucus, it would have probably been two more meetings. So I said, all right, man, peace out. You know, I'm out of there. And uh, our, our guy, Phil Aruka, I don't know if you're familiar with that. He had a similar uh, uh, situation. and he yep. I was I was very much uh, in the caucus when that was going on as well. So <laughs> I'm very I'm very familiar with that. <laughs> so I guess there's two ways to handle a disagreement. Uh, I, I I don't even want to call it a fisher or uh, is that a, a word fisher? Uh, there's a split. And 
you can go this way or that way. And this is part of the, um, what's our buddy's name? Prue Biddler, Joe, good old Prue Biddler. Uh, your buddy. <laughs> Not familiar. Who is he? Well, ran into her at Gerhardt's. <laughs> <laughs> So were you part of the uh, the the Prue Biddler? And I'm calling her Piddler because she calls me something else. So it's, you know, tit for tat. It's a, you know, high school thing. Were you part of that situation? Because uh, you're in Florida now. You don't care. What to, Were you part of picking Prue and uh, Randy? So, yeah, I was on the caucus committee when we were making our mayoral selection. Um, let me preface anything I, I say by yeah. saying that I don't represent the caucus committee. I'm no longer affiliated with them. Um, anything that I say is my opinion. Um, so take that for what it's worth. But, yeah, we were involved in that process. Um, you know, again, of course, I come into the caucus committee at a time when there seems to be controversy kind of, you know, all over the place. But, you know, in terms of I wasn't part of the selection committee. So the, the subcommittee for when they were drilling down into candidates, I was not part of that committee. I was just part of the general caucus when we had those interviews. Um, I will say my personal opinion, I was not too impressed with uh, Prue Beidler. Um, I did not believe that she should be the candidate moving forward. I did support Randy Tack as the candidate. Um, I, ultimately, I think that that was the right decision the, that the caucus came to. Uh, I believe that he has been a tremendous benefit for the city of Lake Forest. And um, sorry about that. I'm getting notifications. I thought had turned off, but uh, yeah, it's Prue Byler. Yeah, actually, she's emailing me right now. Um, no. <laughs> so, I, you know, overall, I, I you know, I was there that night when we had the uh, quote-unquote vote um, at uh, the Gordon Center. Excuse me. And, uh, you know, during that process, reading some of the, the things that people had written in on those, I'll call them ballots, but those slips of paper, <laughs> um, they were they were very unkind. Uh, you know, people took the, the liberty to, to write an, an essay about, you know, what they thought of the caucus and, you know, the process and why Prue Beidler should be the nominee instead of Randy Tack. And, you know, it was... You know, it started out as maybe slightly amusing and then it quickly spiraled into, wow, this is really, you know, a problem. This is not what we were expecting. Um, you know, when it comes to the process and everything else, again, I believe ultimately the caucus came to the right decision. I believe that Dr. Tack was the superior candidate, um, but it hasn't been without controversy. And, and we still see that kind of uh, the ripples of that happening right now in the city of Lake Forest. I still try and keep up to date on what's going on and what's been happening because in sincerity i love the city of lake forest you know it, it kind of it pains me to have left but um it's a wonderful place and i wish the best for a city jake you um you were part of that process you supported dr tack now mayor tack and um why do you think and i know you've moved out of town but why do you think it is that there's this faction of people uh, which turns out, when we have an actual election, turns out to be the minority faction. Uh, uh, Peru only got, like, I think less than 40% of the vote. Um, why is it there, though, that there is this group that it seems to be all the issues that the caucus have to do with Dr. Tack, Mayor Tack? Yet, when, we, when I've challenged him, say what is the what has he done since he's become mayor that you don't like they, they they've got no answer 
You know, to be honest with you, Joe, I, I'm really unsure. Um, I can only really speculate as to why it is. Um, I am somewhat familiar with some of the people in Prue's circle. Um, they seem to be generally just unhappy people in, in a lot of ways. So uh, I think that maybe that spills over in, into, into what's going on. But I, I think part of it is that Lake Forest is kind of a holdout on the North Shore when it comes to typical right versus left politics. Mm -hmm. um, I think that certain people who fall on the more progressive side don't see that as being a positive. They see that as being a negative. They, they want to have um, more contentious uh, types of elections and, and that sort of thing, because I think that in the long run, it does benefit them. Um, however, when it comes to Dr. Tack and his accomplishments, I think that the the problems that they found with Dr. Tack were very minuscule in comparison to the benefits that he's had for the city. Um, so really, you know, I think what it comes down to is there's a faction of people, a small faction, who would like to see Lake Forest become more like Highland Park or more like Deerfield or some of the surrounding communities. They don't really see the caucus process as being a benefit in a lot of ways because it doesn't serve their ultimate goal, which is more city government, more, more government in general. Um, so, I, again, this is speculation. I'm not totally certain as to what their motivations are, but that, that would be what I'm supposing. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, we've talked about this before on the show that Lake Forest is a very uh, moderate community that, you know, the, the Trump style Republican doesn't do well here, but the, the Mark Kirk style mm -hmm. uh, Republican does. Um, so um, and that you can see that in election results over the years here. And, and you know, they tried to make it a, a an R versus D thing last time, and it, it backfired on them. And and like I said earlier, the results speak for themselves. Doctor Tack, in the in the actual election, when the people, when everybody voted, or or anyone in the community voted, um, uh, the uh, the results were. I mean, it was a landslide. He won. Oh by. no, absolutely. And you know, just from my experience sitting on the caucus committee being in those discussions inside of the gorton center or wherever we were meeting it never became about identity politics well you know he leans this way or he leans that way it really came down to what's his goals for the city does he have the knowledge does he have the experience um does he have the uh the personality in order to be a successful mayor it never really revolved around who, you know, what side of the aisle he came down on or she came down on or anything like that. Really, you know, when it came down to it at the end of the day, it was about selecting a person whom we felt really represented the ideas of Lake Forest, who could really advance our community. And that was Dr. Tack or Mayor Tack, I should say. Um, you know, honestly, my if I could summarize uh, Drew Beidler's uh, interview with the caucus committee, I would say it was unimpressive. It really felt like she was entitled. I didn't really believe that she was sincere um, in a lot of ways. And, you know, you see it. Their, their biggest detraction about Dr. Tack was about the the railroad, right? And and his, you know, unwillingness to, to plunge the city into legal warfare. Um, and look how that turned out for the surrounding communities. I mean, it, it just, I think it was a boondoggle. It was a waste of money. And ultimately, I think he was vindicated. Maybe um, you got taken to the cleaners on that one by consultant. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, you look at that debate there, we're talking about leaf blowers, you know, like this, this is not, th this is not what's moving the needle, right? For the community. We, we have some serious challenges in Lake Forest. It, it, 
and that's every community around the state, you know, has, has various challenges, but let's really get down into the things that are serious that affect the day-to-day lives of citizens and the community. And will ultimately, you know, keep us in the position that we're in because Lake Forest is really at a tremendous advantage, you know, in comparison to a lot of our surrounding peers and our, our neighbors. Um, I think that it's a tremendous waste of resources. It's a tremendous waste of time to try and make it about political identity or it's about gender or it's about uh, this or that. It's really, you know, it's disappointing, I guess, is what I would say. And we just started this week, um, this past week was the deadline for uh, filing for uh, to run for office. And there are aldermanic elections next year. There's going to be actually four because of the vacancy that was created. Um, uh, and the caucus slate, we, we've now, we now know the caucus slate will be unopposed, that no one filed in any of the aldermanic elections to run on the ballot. I suppose somebody could still run as a write-in, but that's, that's hard to pull off. But, um, so, you know, back to what you just said, it seems like, um, life's pretty good here because, you know, I, when things are heavily contested, that means there's, there's. People are upset. I mean, the the mayor of Chicago just got voted out of office, and <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if the current one gets voted out when his term ends. But uh, you know, life's pretty good here, right? I mean, people are pretty happy. I mean, in spite of you leaving, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it, and my motivation to leave was less about the city of Lake Forest. It had more to do with, you know, Lake Forest has some very unfortunate geography that it's located within the boundaries of Illinois. So, you know, yes. it's that's, that's really I'd say that myself. I wish we were Lake Forest, Florida. That would be perfect. Yes. Um, <laughs> it, but that's not to say that Lake Forest doesn't have a lot of challenges and opportunities ahead of it. Um, you know, and I do think there, there are certain things about the city that I would like to see change. Um, but, you know, overall, I would say that we're head and shoulders above any other community. And, you know, if I was ever going to move back to Illinois, which isn't within the scope of possibility, it's very small, but it's within the scope. I would only choose to live in Lake Forest. I really love that community. The time that I, I lived there for a little over six years, it, it was fantastic. You know, my children, one of my children was born there. My other one came, you know, he was four years old, I believe. Um, so the, you know, the major formative years of his youth are kind of embedded he has roots there um still talks to his friends there every single day um it's it's a fantastic place for families it's a fantastic place for people to to create a community and i i really can't say enough positive things about it you were in the caucus and you were there for a short period of time when i was there and it is still the best game in town because the alternative is you can just whoever has the most money uh, can 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 go up for for mayor or all the whoever can shout the loudest. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. Now, uh, Joe O'Reedy's coming into uh, leadership uh, next year. Strong guy, good guy. My opinion only. We've had a weak stretch of leadership on the caucus. Uh, where somebody need to needed to stand up, stand forward to set the tone of what is or isn't going going to happen. The caucus is a betting machine. It is a, a an HR process. Like you said at the beginning, you're going to interview people. You're gonna you're you're an agenda detector, right? Okay, correct. Right. Yeah. Now 
couple things that need to happen on the caucus because it's still the best game in town, but it's got some warts and it's we get we got to correct it. And and some of the things that I I I brought up during my term was one the old versus new. When you're coming in, okay, a third of the people that are coming in are new and a third are are old that are leaving. When you're coming in, you don't know what the old issues were in the past and the people that did know were leaving. There is no way to transfer that information in the old versus new meeting. Did you experience anything like that? Yeah, I would say that there was definitely a lot of runway that was needed in order to get up to speed on the the previous issues that had happened. Um, at the time that I joined the caucus committee, I had lived in Lake Forest for a few years, but obviously having a young family and a career, you don't necessarily pay really close attention to everything that's going on in the inner workings of local politics. But I did see it as a good opportunity to volunteer and become more involved, which is why I decided to to join. Um, and... and so you were in, were you in how long were you in Lake Forest before you joined the caucus? About four years. Okay, okay. Because there's yeah. some people that I've witnessed that we were when you and I were on together that just moved into town less than a year, and then the next thing they're on the executive committee. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't know if that's the best thing to do. Maybe they do does because whoever is the president picks the vice president and the vice president turns into the president and the president gets to pick who they want to surround themselves with. Mm -hmm. And because I'm sure you've heard, it's like the old boys, old girls network of, you know, friends, you know, get, getting together. It's not necessarily the, the best people for the position, but it's who the president wants. Did you, did you experience that? So, um, let me figure out where I want to start with this. So let me unpack that. As far as it being a good process or a bad process, I can kind of see both sides of it. Um, I do understand, you know, your your concept where maybe it should be more democratic, where the caucus committee is helping select those people. Um, I do also uh, kind of see the argument that having the executive leadership choose their successors um, and identify those people that really stand out uh, might be better just because they have more day-to-day -day involvement with certain people. Um, I was asked to be on the executive committee uh, just at the end of my first year. Um, I turned down the position, actually. Um, and the reason why was it, the caucus committee was already a significant time commitment for me. Um, and I was asked to be the treasurer. And having, you know, my wife and I run multiple businesses, we have a very crazy lifestyle, you know, in terms of time, I was really concerned that I would not be able to fulfill my duties properly, because the treasurer has a lot of responsibilities when it comes to filing deadlines, um, reports, that sorts of thing. Um, so that's why I turned it down. So I did have an opportunity to be on the executive committee. Um, that being said, you know, your, uh, your point about the leadership being quote unquote, week over the last few years. Um, I don't know how much I, I generally agree with you on that. Uh, I do think the caucus has a lot of uh, sort of problems that they've been working through. And these problems have taken years and years and years to develop to where they are now. Um, so I don't necessarily cast too much fault at the feet of the executive committee. Um, I think that they're doing the best they can with the limited resources that they have. Because at the end of the day, it you know, the caucus committee is a pack. Um, we're not a necessarily um, uh, an enshrined sort of institution within city government or anything like that. We're, we're not affiliated per se or directly with the city. You know, we're really there to serve the interests of the citizens of Lake Forest, the voters of Lake Forest. Um, so 
I think that we're, we're doing the best we can with what we got. Um, you know, when we look recently with the bylaw changes that were proposed, I think, you know, the, the overall goal is to kind of remove some of that ambiguity, uh, the language in order to clarify exactly what it is that we do and the procedure that we follow. Um, and the, you know, the chief complaint that people had is the, the good old boys club, you know, where we're, ma we're making decisions and the smoke filled rooms. And, you know, it's, it's not like that at all. I, I think that one of the biggest challenges that the caucus has is just general lack of knowledge about what it is that we do, the mission that we serve, the process that we use to go about doing it. Um, there's not as much engagement as there should be, you know, with the caucus committee from the average voter. And, you know, part of that comes down to, you know, we rely on volunteers. We, we're really dependent on people to raise their hand and say, yes, I, I'm interested. I want to help. I want, I want to be part of the process. And, uh, you know, a lot of the same names come up over and over again because the universe of people who raise their hand and say, yeah, I want to volunteer is, is small in comparison to the overall body of voters within the city. So, you know, they, they really have, you know, we have a tremendous advantage too when it comes to other communities, which is we have some of the most talented, intelligent, motivated people who live within Lake Forest, you know, and the trouble is that a lot of them don't want to stick their neck out there. They, they can't make the time commitment, or maybe they're, they're new to the city. We've had significant turnover in the residents in the city in the last four years. So a lot of them, maybe they they're raising their young families. They don't have the time or they just don't know you know, who we are and what we do. And the caucus over the last couple of years, I think has really stepped up their efforts and outreach, you know, in terms of social media and, and other ways to contact people to educate about the mission of the caucus. Um, but, you know, it, it's going to take time really for, for people to embrace it and understand, you know, what, what it is that we're doing. The vetting process, that's the number one goal of, of the caucus. Would you agree, Jake? I would say so. Okay. So you're interviewing a lot of people did anybody ever like give you a course on how to interview? Now you you run a lot of businesses, so you're experienced with it, but there are a lot of people that don't. And you know, the laws of recency, all that stuff that comes into interviewing. Do you think the caucus would be served with somebody kind of going over a an interview course or something to help them uh, ask the right questions? So I think more information is always better than less information. Um, within the orientation of the caucus committee, I do believe that there's some, you know, slides that, that we are given, you know, just about interviewing and, and that process and types of questions. Um, even before we're presented with an interview, um, there's, you know, kind of boilerplate questions that are that are provided that, that we can ask to potential candidates um, that are kind of standard that, you know, are a good way to take people's temperature uh, on things. Um, so that's helpful. But yeah, of course, you know, if you can, the problem is that not every person out there is going to be able to devote the time and, and effort to really become an expert job interviewer, right? Um, but I think that enough people within our community, they're intelligent enough to kind of try and pierce the veil and, and figure out, do people have an agenda? What, you know, why is it that they're trying to volunteer for this board or this committee? Um, I, I give people a lot of credit. I don't think that you need to really have too much training in order to, you know, be you know, a person who's um, fair, impartial, ask the right questions, try, try and really figure out if a person's qualified for a position, compare and contrast them against other potential candidates. I don't, I don't think that you need to have a PhD, um, you know, in human resources in order to accomplish that. 
Well, it is an HR job, and <laughs> some people could use the help. I, I don't know, Jake. Let, uh, my, my last question, I'll let uh, Joe uh, get a couple in. The, uh, the vetting process, is it what when you're going to vet, you're going to look at somebody's background. I just want to say, Prue, if I'm look, when I'm interviewing somebody, I'm going to do a social media search. I'm going to see what's going to, you know, come up and literally millions of dollars over a million. I say over a million dollars came up that she donated one way. Do you think that's appropriate to look up to see if like, because if you're a, an agenda detector and you see a million going to one political party, would that be a red flag in your case, Jake? You know, so this topic actually came up towards the end when I was leaving after the session had ended for the year. Um, and I was in discussions with other ward chairs and, and things of this nature, trying to figure out, okay, well, what level of background searching is appropriate. Um, so obviously people are, you know, again, we don't judge people, right? And again, I'm not part of the caucus anymore. So I say we in the general we, but, yeah. uh, you know, it. you don't necessarily say, well, this person is in this political party, so they're unacceptable, or this person is in this political party. We only want people who are totally independent, who's never donated to any, we're not considering that. Um, it's really about, again, trying to find people who are there in order to advance a certain agenda um, and, you know, sniff out if they're trying to um, really improve the city as a whole. So there, there's discussions like how, how deep do you want to go on social media? Do you, are we hiring private investigators to figure out, you know, what people do in their private lives? I think that's kind of silly. I, you know, this is America. It, it's not China. Um, I think that the idea that, you know, there's some sort of litmus test that you need to pass in order to be involved in the community is, is silly. And I think that it's un-American, but you, you do have to look at things on the whole, you know, so any one piece of information, bucks, Jake, a million, Hey, but she's a millionaire. A million bucks to her is like, you know, 20 bucks to you and me. So I'm, I'm not talking a thousand. I'm not a talking a hundred. I'm talking about a million. Yeah, Joe. So yeah, I was just going to add on. I, I think it was a, it was a series of things in my opinion. And Jake, you can weigh in on this. It was a series of things. It, I was the one that I, I got on this show in the first place because I'm the one that actually, I'm, I was the first one that went to the federal election website and the state election website and put all the data together and came up with the million dollar number. So, you know, um, so I brought that up, but I think, I think the thing that, and Jake, you weigh in on this, the thing that I got a lot of people was the Kim Fox business. Absolutely. And, and, and by extension, Eric Reinhardt, um, that, um, yeah, look, Dick Durbin, um, uh, uh, Joe Biden, whatever, you know, Tammy Duckworth, all the other donations, people are like, ah, whatever. But she was literally the only resident of Lake Forest to give money to Kim Fox. Then the whole issue came out about her daughter-in-law working for Kim Fox, and she never, ever addressed it fully in the campaign. So it kind of just hung out there. And it may have just been a coincidence, but we'll never know. She never addressed it. But that really rubbed a lot of people the wrong way because, uh, you know, the whole law enforcement issue that this this is a community that's very supportive of of law enforcement and is very concerned about what's going on with, you know, um, the cops uh, hard work being undone by these uh, uh, bad prosecutors like Kim Fox and Eric Reiner. But 
what would how much of that came into discussion at that point or did that come up later on once she ran as a quote unquote independent so i would say again you know part of the caucus process is we don't really discuss details of conversations what happens it's in the caucus good. stays in the caucus that's a very good right point. but you know i think that on on the whole that wasn't necessarily a topic that was uh, emphasized, um, but privately with other caucus members, I would say that, you know, we, we did have discussions amongst each other say, Hey, did you see this? Did you read this? You know, what are your thoughts on this? And, you know, it, it's, it's something that is taken into consideration. I think for, for a lot of the people, I think some people would ignore it, you know, and say, I'm not going to let that cloud, you know, whether or not she's capable and willing and able to serve the city. Um, but I think that to your point, it's kind of cumulative, right? So, you know, if I'm sitting down and I'm getting a bad vibe in an interview and then there's other information that comes out and then I read something else, then I'm saying, OK, well, I can kind of follow a little bit of a, a bread trail here and, and see like, OK, th is this person really a good fit? Is this going to be a, a person who unites the city? Is this going to be a divisive person? Um, you know, we we definitely have to, you know, evaluate all information. I think more information is always better than less information. I think I said that before, but uh, it's relevant in, in, in a lot of ways. Um, should it be the, the only deciding factor on whether or not a person is selected? No, I don't think so. I think that people are entitled to, you know, have their political opinions and re really, you know, money is speech, right? You know, when we talk about free speech and, and we talk about uh, the Supreme Court case, the name is escaping me right now, but um, we'll put it right here. Money. Yeah. M money. I is know speech, which one right? you're talking so, about. <laughs> I know I it well, but I can't remember yeah, the name I, of it. I can't think of the name of it. Yeah, sorry, I'm having... Uh, I almost said Janice versus Asme, but that's a different Supreme Court. No, that's something else. It'll Janssen's come to me after, after we finish. <laughs> but, you know, people are certainly entitled to um, have political opinions and they're allowed to use their finances in order to um, express those opinions, uh, whether that's donating to a candidate or a cause. You know, when the issue of her donations came up, uh, you know, those are the donations that we can track. You know, obviously we know about dark money in politics and who, who knows, you know, what the actual number might be. But, you know, again, I kind of just want to bring it around. My decision when it came to that was really about the interview. And I was just kind of unimpressed. And I felt that, you know, she was entitled. She felt like the, this it was her turn. And, you know, we were supposed to just kind of rubber stamp it. And, you know, at the end of the day, that wasn't the case. Citizens United was versus FEC was the Thank you. Thank you. Citizens United. Exactly. Yeah. But the, you, you brought up the dark money part and that's a concern. You know, she played games. I mean, first of all, unprecedented, the amount of money she put in to that election for a job that pays 10 bucks a year. Mm -hmm. right? I mean, she put in almost $200,000, which again, I understand give, as a percentage of her, uh, family income is... Yeah, but it made the caucus have to come up with that. But then the caucus had to go out, right. find donors um, to, to to match that. And, you know, I, I came forward. Here I was. I was the new guy. I kind of took your place in the city here, uh, Jake, as a resident. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, but I, um, I came forward because she was everywhere. She was on... My, my son couldn't open a YouTube video without seeing a Prue Beidler ad. It was kind of obnoxious, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, and, and yeah. She, she knocked on, she was knocking on doors, including mine. Um, we were getting mail and there was nothing at that point from the caucus. I'm like, oh my God, she is going to just buy her way into this office. 
And meanwhile, she's running around saying she's nonpartisan, bipartisan. And, and so I came forward to to uh, to correct that. Um, but then towards the end, the caucus did match her. I mean, when there was a Pru mailer, there was a caucus mailer there. The caucus started doing online ads, but that stuff costs money. And they had to go out and raise that. And it really just, you know, the concern is that, um, you know, that that you're going to price if this continues, you're going to have to be rich to to hold public office. I mean, we see that now at the or you, or you need significant backing from a, a a political party. You have to be a Republican or a Democrat because you, you're really just yeah. at that point. You're no longer a politician. You're just a fundraiser. So yeah, it, it's really damaging to the whole process, especially since in Lake Forest, our process uh, for generations has been to avoid that to to really go out and endeavor to find really highly qualified people within the community. You know, it's disappointing. But I mean, that's America in 2023, right? You know, everything's kind of bifurcated. Jake, Joe, is that what Highland Park's doing? I, you know, I think Highland Park has basically become an extension of the Lake County Democratic Party. Um, and but, but didn't they? They started this way with a like the caucus that we have, and it turned into. I don't know the hit. I don't know the history on Highland Park. I can tell you the history on Northbrook. Well, well, I, and Northbrook, Northbrook is, used the, to be a bipartisan caucus. Now in Northbrook, the current mayor or village president sits on the dais with J.B. Pritzker and all the Democrats at the annual Democratic Party dinner. And they have basically purged all the Republicans out of their caucus. So they, I, I think they still have a caucus, but you have to be a Democrat in order. A caucus to, and name only. Yeah. yeah. So, so Jake, if, if, if this is happening, kind of what I'm seeing, just sitting in this chair, being on the caucus with you, and then getting this podcast going, on the Prue Bidler situation, I could be way off, but I'm generally kind of close. I see something with Prue Bidler. I see something with Julie Morrison. I see something with Susan Garrett, and now Melanie Rummel all coming together to not sure what they're doing, but it's like, is Prue going to be the next state senator to get it from Morrison? Is Rummel going to come in and try to contest, you know, next year to get this little click going that they have to turn Lake Forest into Highland Park? That's what I'm, that's what I'm sniffing. Jake, your thoughts and Joe. Um, You know, that's a really good observation, Pete. Uh, you know, I don't know. There does seem to be quite an alliance there with those people. Um, whether or not she's trying to build some sort of team around her for some sort of uh, future political endeavor, I think that remains to be seen. But it wouldn't strike me as being out of the scope, you know, based upon what I've seen so far. Uh, again, you know, I'm not in the community anymore. So day to day, uh, I don't really have a lot of information on on what, what's been going on. But I do see that as potentially being, uh, you know, the future course. So I, I would say, you know, tinfoil hat time, put it on. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Let's, yeah, she's going. Well, in it, fairness, yeah, I don't know. a couple of things. Though. One, the caucus is not Republican either. Let's make that very clear. The caucus is, has, there are, uh, Eric Oshkarian, uh third ward alderman, is a Democratic precinct committee person. Um, My favorite doggy. And um, 
There's a couple others that I think would, you know, if you were to pull their primary ballot history, uh, lean D. So I, I think it's important. It, I, look, I'm a Republican. I, I don't I don't shy away from that. But I've always worked with Democrats. And more importantly, I, I think it's important that you have bipartisanship. I don't want to turn Lake Forest red or blue. I want it to stay purple. Yeah, but this crew with the money. Yeah, that, they wanted to turn it blue. Well, they hang out at the Lake Forest bookstore. This is Pete Jansen saying it. That's the Democratic headquarters. We're all four of them in there. Really? We're all in cahoots. <laughs> they are. That's what they Remember do. Remember the Shields Democrat, Shields Township Democrats? <laughs> but they, they, they go in there and. Especially they met at Lake Forest Place. <laughs> well, that's where they get their voters from. But people need to know that there's this click of money that, look, they can do whatever they want. Like you said, Jake, it's America, but it's also America where people need to know what's what's going on. Because if you care, you want to know this is what's behind the scenes. And every time that Melanie Rummels asks, does she want to be mayor? Holy crap, does she explode? So that I will. I will. I'm going to give one defense of Melanie Rummel here. Yeah. She is not. Melanie is a Republican. Her husband was a Republican with former mayor, later became a Republican member of the Lake County Board until he was voted out by a candidate who was financially supported by Prue Beidler. But um, point being, so Melanie is a Republican. Continue. Her and her husband do continue to support the Shields Township Republican organization, go to their events and stuff. I've seen them there. But. She, you know, to your point, Pete, she has dodged the question of um, is she running for mayor? It's a, it's a simple yes, no, or I'm still thinking about it answer, and she won't give any answer to it. And, you know, it, it a lot of people uh, involved in stuff um, think she might be trying to run against uh, a mayor tax. Of course she is. My point is, is she part of that clique of Morrison, Garrett, and Beidler? Because... Look, if they want a contested election, okay, because I don't know what the caucus is going to do next. I can't see past Joe Reedy, who I'm a big fan of, that I think will go in and correct correct a lot of things. I do believe that. But eventually, you stack up, you get enough people. Because what I'm seeing on the caucuses, at least when I was there, Jake, the attendance at the meetings wasn't very good. Maybe it was half. Okay. And if it's half, do you really need nine people per ward? Because it's better to have, you know, no breath than bad breath. If you can get half the people that are passionate to show up versus people that just show up here and there and they cast a vote, I don't know how well that 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 vote is. Do you think we need less people or should be by how many people are in the ward? I don't want to get too complicated, but nine per ward. And the lack of passion, because these votes are going to become crucial. You're going to have to unpack a lot, Jake. I'm sorry, but you get the sorry. wrong person. You get the wrong person as the president. That can set the tone on the caucus. You get the wrong person as mayor. They can go in and reject all the candidates that the caucus puts in, and they're in a position of power where they can stack the deck on the people who they want. All right, unpack, Jake. Oh my gosh, Pete, you're wonderful. So. Um... Where do I start? Let me start with Joe Aridi. Um, spent a lot of time with Joe. Fantastic person. Um, I, I think that he's going to do a fantastic job next year when he's president. Um, 
you know, very serious. He takes this seriously. He has a lot of passion for this. Um, and it's genuine. You know, you can really tell that that he wants to elevate the caucus um, from where it is now into the place where it, it needs to be within the community. Um, as far as the amount of people in each individual ward, let me first start out by saying I was on ward four. I think we consistently set the attendance record. We we're almost all of us there every single meeting. So shout out to my ward four people. Way to go. Uh, but, you know, I think that part of the issue you run into is if, if you were to, let's say, base the uh, amount of chairs for each ward or not chairs, I'm sorry, uh, uh, persons for each ward uh, based upon the population of the ward, what you really can run into is um, you know, people feeling like they're not represented enough. Really, the goal of the caucus or an alderman, let's say, let's just use alderman for an example, because, you know, they represent a ward. They have to represent the city as a whole first and their and the interests of their ward. They can't just pick, you know, well, my ward's the best ward and we're going to get all the resources and I'm going to advocate for anything that happens in my ward. No, they really need to be an advocate for the city as a whole. Yes, emphasize on the issues that are within your ward reach out to the communities of your ward, make sure they get connected with the right people within the city government in order to take care of any problems they may have. Um, so I think that creating uh, a system by which it's dictated by population would maybe feel other communities or areas of Lake Forest to be feeling disenfranchised, like they don't have an equal seat at the table. So I don't necessarily believe that that's the correct uh, way to go about that. Um, as far as the number of people, I think that nine per ward is good to your point if only half show up you're going to need a quorum you don't you don't want 15 people deciding for the caucus committee you really want to have more people sharing their voice so having 43 people there voting i think is ideal i would love it if there was full attendance at every single meeting obviously there's other conflicts within people's lives that prevent them sometimes from going to meetings but i would say that the last year I would say, you know, coming out of COVID, I think part of the issue was during COVID when things were remote, certain people weren't comfortable meeting in person. You know, it, it, I think that that year was particularly difficult as far as attendance goes. Um, the following year, I did notice that attendance was much better. Uh, so I don't know what it is right now, but uh, I, I think that it's right. I think that they've got the system figured out. It's worked for, you know, however many years. Uh, I, I don't necessarily think it needs to change. Fair enough. What about the whole term limits thing? And we touched a little bit about it before, but everything in this city is basically term limited. Mayor, city council, uh, the, all the commissions, the caucus, everything is term limited. And, you know, we've seen the excesses of, no, of not having term limits in other communities uh, where, I mean, that people were mayor for like 50 years in some cities and, and got, ended up getting going to jail. Um <laughs> But here in Lake Forest, we've really kept it that there's no political boss, that it kind of, you know, if people come in and out. But but to Pete's point, um, you have all this turnover and people are very, very busy today with all with their with their career, with their family, other stuff. Um, where's the balance here on this to get to keep not have people there forever? Um, but to have some type of legacy um, uh, where you have people that have been around the block on this so the caucus is not constantly reinventing the wheel. You know, that's a really good question, Joe. Um, I, I don't have uh, 
you know, a crystal ball to tell you what exactly the right number of terms is. I think that it's uh, dependent on the board or committee, you know, and I think that each one should be evaluated independently and, and figure out, you know, how much uh, knowledge or, you know, experience is needed in order to have somebody um, really carry the mission of that board or committee forward. Um, I would say that it might be helpful to have some sort of formal kind of mentorship um, sort of program in place for some of these boards and committees where people who are coming on who maybe don't have as much experience, uh, they could learn about the history of the board and, and where they've come. Um, for the most part, I think the people who are interviewing for these positions, they do take a, a good amount of due diligence to research, you know, what's been happening, you know, with those boards and, and that sort of thing. Uh, but as far as how many terms you should get, you know, I don't know, but I, I am a fan of term limits. I think that they're a net positive. Um, I don't really favor the idea of somebody becoming sort of like a, a monarch, you know, within city government where they, you know, you look at the Stevens or the dailies or, you know, something like that. Um, you know, you, you can make an argument either way that those people did tremendous things for, for their cities. Um, but I do think on the whole for a community like ours, term limits are, are the correct way to go. Jake, part of the premise of this show, again, is sitting at a bar, we're talking, we're shooting it, and nobody likes anybody have, when you're having a conversation with them that they just say, this is wrong, that's wrong. This is You can say something's wrong as long as you have a solution to offer, good or bad, you know, after you point the problem out. And that's what we try to do with this show. Do you got any uh, suggestions or solutions you're in florida now you're going to be on executive committee and in a you know in a critique what what would be a, a couple things you would suggest in priority that the caucus needs to do to improve itself as when joe Aridi comes in it's not against joe Aridi, but it's the system in place what would you offer to change to improve it um and I'm happy to talk about things for the city in general, too. Just some suggestions yeah, I would have. But um, as far as the caucus committee goes, obviously, education and outreach, you know, as I mentioned before, we have a significant portion of the citizens within Lake Forest are new within the last few years with COVID and everything else. So educating them, getting them up to speed on who the caucus committee is, why we exist, what our goal is, what's the mission um, to kind of peel back the veil a little bit, because sometimes people, they get the postcard in the mail and, you know, it's a write in thing like vote for this person to be on your ward committee. And they're like, I never met this guy. I don't know who he is. And th they're coming maybe from an area where the caucus process is foreign to them. They, they've never experienced anything like this before. So really educating people, making sure they understand what the caucus is. Um, transparency, you know, that's something that's come up, you know, in the, in the last uh, few months, you know, in a more uh, prominent way. So maintaining, you know, the, the problem is you have to maintain the confidentiality because again, at the end of the day, these are job interviews. Um, this is not a, a, a function of the city. This is a pack. So, you know, we don't necessarily follow the same exact rules that people maybe are familiar with, but trying to increase the transparency, you know, have people sit in more open meetings, that sort of thing, I think would be a benefit for the caucus. Because um, really, people are afraid of what they don't know. They, they, they get upset and they get angry when they don't have complete information. So just increasing the amount of uh, information that's available, um, encouraging people to participate, volunteers, you know, how many times are we, we're seeing the same people just kind of go from committee to committee to committee. And again, you know, nothing against them. That's, that's fine. They want to be involved in civic government. I applaud them, but 
for some people in the community, they may see that as being, oh, this is a good old boys club. And really, it's not a function of that. It's a function of the universe of people who are available, ready, willing, and able to volunteer for those roles. And sometimes, you know, we have to choose from who we have. We, we're not going to go outside of Lake Forest, right? This is for citizens of our community. So we're really dependent on people raising their hand and volunteering. So really upping the effort to get people to volunteer and say, hey, I'm available. Um, I want to be involved. How did you volunteer? Tell us how you yeah. So uh, a neighbor of mine um, within the ward, our children were friends from elementary school. Um, so we, we had been friends for uh, quite a while. And he got uh, he got involved with the caucus committee um, through one of his neighbors because somebody had resigned um, and he had been doing it for a while. And he said, oh, you know, this is really interesting. I said, oh, yeah, you know, like, keep me in mind if if there's a position that opens up or something, I'd be interested in doing it. And it just so happened a few months later, there was another person who had to leave the caucus committee prematurely. So they came in, they said, Hey, are you still interested? I said, yeah, absolutely. So uh, we had a, a zoom interview like this. It was me, I believe Dave Hunt. Um, was it Tim O'Neill or no, not Mike O'Neill. I can't remember whoever. Uh, and, and we had a conversation like this and they said, well, why do you want to volunteer? Why do you want to be involved? What, what, you know, Again, and I said, you know what? I love living here. I want to make it great. I want to be a steward for our community. And and that's how I got involved. And I, like I said, I filled out somebody's term um, for two years. I actually think I had another year left that I could have stayed on. And then if I went on to exec, I could have stayed on longer. But, you know, the, the stars didn't really align for that. But yeah, I was I was basically asked. Somebody said, hey, are you still interested? I said, yeah, sure. And, you know, the, the caucus committee has something called a VPS, right? It's a volunteer profile sheet where you go online, you fill in basically it's almost like a resume hey what these are the things i'm interested in these are this is my background et cetera, et cetera. just a quick little bio about you um and i didn't even fill one of those out it was just like oh hey come on in and so then i learned oh this thing exists you know whatever i had to go in and, and fill it out before i actually got kind of confirmed to to be in the caucus committee but i think that a lot of people just don't even realize hey i gotta fill out one of these things because otherwise people don't know that i'm here and i'm available so really, you know, and then going through that database also and figuring out, okay, who are the people who left the community? Who's moved out? Who, who are the really, you know, engaged people who, who we can go to and say, hey, do you want to be on library board or do you want to be on um, audit or, you know, what, whatever. I, I think that really finding that talent pool and, and cleaning it out and make sure that we have a really accurate representation of the people who want to be involved and want to share their time and their, their resources and their knowledge that that's going to really advance the caucus to, to get really highly qualified people in there. To, to your point, Jake. So the, the, the external com communications person, that's a critical piece, right? Cause Absolutely. they're the ones that get the, the message out because if you don't do it on a regular basis, if you don't have a basic knowledge of constant contact and how to use mm -hmm. it and how to manage a drip campaign, because politics only matters unless it affects you. And I think people are going to start figuring it out right about now when that tax bill hits, not you, Jake, but us, where we're going to get hit with another thousand dollars. Right. If you don't pay attention to what's going on, because like Joe says, everybody pays attention to the national elections, but the local stuff that really affects us, people don't. And the 
the consequences of not knowing what's going on and not knowing what the votes are on that referendum is a thousand bucks. The external communications, number one, to get people on the caucus, number two, the caucus is the one that picks the school board, right? Okay. Well, no, the 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 voters pick the school board, but the caucus <laughs> is recommending candidates. And I don't want to get into what everybody's saying is, well, there's not much of a choice. It's only one person. So <laughs> well, I would encourage people to volunteer and put yeah. themselves out there if they believe that they have better ideas and they can bring a better vision and it will lead the community in a better way. Absolutely. Step forward. We, you know, that's what we need. So external communications, very key. The yeah, social the, media, social media and all that. So, so that's a very key based on what everybody says, getting the word out. OK, when I hear getting the word out in the advertising game, to me, that sounds just burning money. OK, there needs there. There needs to be a schedule that that adhered to that constantly goes out where people need to understand the VPS. We're using an acronym and people like to use acronyms to sound smart and people don't want to say, hey, I don't know what that means. Get rid of that damn application, caucus yeah. application, right? Put that out there. That should be out there, you know, once a month where people... Constant contact. It's it's automated. So that external communication share. Joe Reedy, I know you're not listening uh, and I know you're not watching, but I would whoever is that person that is key. And then whoever the vice president is going to be for next year, because that's going to be the president's. That's that's key. Jake, do you have anything else you like to bring up? Because we're starting to wind down here and I know you had a lot of stuff. And I know I gave you a lot of stuff to unpack. So did Joe. What didn't we cover that you want to uh, get across? Um, I mean, you know, really the the primary goal for me to to come on to the podcast uh, and, and share my experience with the people uh, in Lake Forest, your viewers, your listeners, is just let them know that, you know, the reason why I chose to leave, I believe this is a dilemma that a lot of people are facing. Um, I, I I do, again, I, I sound like a broken record and I love Lake Forest. I think that we're in a much better position than a lot of other communities, but I think that Lake Forest has some significant challenges in front of it. And you mentioned the tax increase, you know, that, that was one of the motivations for me deciding to, you know, pack up my tent and, and go. That's a school um, tax increase. Not the yeah, city. correct. School correct. Yeah, we're we're talking about the school with the renovations for Lake Forest High School. Um, you know, seeing that come down the pike, um, and then you know, just knowing in the back of my mind, it's probably not too far off in the distant future. There's going to be another referendum for Deer Path. Um, you know, so that's going to be another tax increase that's probably going to be hitting us in the next few years. Um, you know, I, I had I made notes, so forgive me if I'm looking oh, away. It. Um, you know, I, I kind of broke it down into a few different categories, um, education uh, being one, uh, the business environment, uh, culture, you know, those sorts of things, th those are the reasons, you know, if we look at education, um, you know, we stand out on the North Shore as having some pretty great schools. We have Stevenson, we have Nutrier, we have uh, GVN, Lake Forest High School. You know, you can go down the list and see where we rank. But I really do feel like we're behind in a lot of ways um, that, the you know, with COVID and everything else that's happened, I don't think that the students are necessarily getting the best education they possibly can. So, and different organizations trying to raise awareness that 
hey, maybe, you know, our test scores aren't as good as they could be. And, and maybe there's other things that we can be doing. Um, you know, but for me, I have two children. Uh, my older son is in fifth grade now. Um, so he was going into fifth grade when we decided to leave. So he was going to be starting at Deer Path. My younger son is going, he started first grade this year. So he's turning seven next week. Um, happy birthday, Michael. If you watch, you probably don't. But, happy birthday. You know. <laughs> happy birthday to you. Okay. But really, you know, for me, sending my children into middle school. I mean, obviously we've seen very recently, uh, there's an issue with a faculty member at DPM. Um, you know, that that's been on my radar for a long time that, Hey, there's, there's certain people within our schools who maybe shouldn't be there, shouldn't be around children. Um, I don't think that the, the vetting process is really, uh, structured in a way to get rid of bad teachers or bad faculty members or bad staff. I think that there's a lot of protection that's avoid, uh, afforded from unions. And, you know, I think that uh, it just wasn't the right place. Um, you know, I, the woke stuff, I, I fall very far on the right in terms of my political affiliation. I'm not afraid to admit it. Um, I think that some of the, the woke nonsense that's creeping into schools, I think that it has a, a negative effect on our community. I don't think it really um, brings out the best in, in who we are. I think it really just serves as a way to divide people and, and make them resentful. And, you know, and, and that's, you know, easier for them to be controlled in the future. So I don't uh, I don't subscribe to that. Um you know, as far as the new teacher contract goes, you know, District 115, we, we see that they're getting a raise. And I, I forget, it was it Sally uh, Davis or was it, uh, who was it who had the quote that say that, oh, it was painless, you yeah. know, and or that, that was or easy. that was easy. Yeah, or whatever. <laughs> I, I get the bill. I, yeah, if that's your reaction uh, to a negotiation, I can tell you with a decent amount of certainty you did not come on the better uh, did not come out on the better end of it you were you were yeah. definitely taken to the cleaners um, that's not to say that the teachers don't perform an important role they're obviously vital um however th their compensation has to be commensurate with you know uh, what's actually uh, able to be afforded by the taxpayers because at the end of the day we're, we're writing the checks um so yeah property taxes was a huge deal um you know state income tax obviously that that was a, a huge motivator for me um you know just trying to go to a place that had a more conducive environment for business and you know bringing up the subject of business lake forest their tax basis is heavily dependent on residential real estate you know everybody is very focused on the value of their home as they should be, you know, that's, that's a huge investment for, for a lot of people. Um, but the issue that we have is we don't have a very good balance between uh, commercial sort of tax basis and residential tax basis. It's very heavily skewed. So figuring out ways that we can attract businesses to Lake Forest to bring their employees, bring their tax revenue, et cetera. Um, I know that we talk about restaurants a lot. Hey, we're opening a new restaurant. There's Sophia Steak. There's Lake Colonial. There's uh, Toco that's coming very soon. Shout out to Bruno, one of the best restaurants. I'm going to be there next week. So mm. Bruno, he's the best. Um, but, you know, we have a need to really attract businesses to our community um, that are going to help support the tax basis. And if you look on the west side of Lake Forest, you know, I don't want to bring up the whole Costco thing, um, you know, because I think that that's been that's been beaten to death. Yeah, that's been beaten to death. I, I don't I don't want to, you know, rehash that whole thing. But, you know, th those office buildings that are on the east side of 94, a lot of them are not full, you know, post COVID. We have to figure out ways to really attract businesses and being within Illinois, that's difficult. I, I understand that a lot of businesses are leaving, but um, 
you know, it's it's in a way unfair to the citizens of the city to endure the entire tax burden. And I, I embellishing a little bit, it's not the entire tax burden, but it's the, the lion's share of it. So I, I think that being able to um, find leadership within the city, who's going to be very proactive in, in searching that out and finding uh, the key players who, who can make that happen, that's gonna be important. And you know, some people might say, well, that's why we need somebody who's really politically connected to be the mayor, because we need to go down to Springfield and, and suck out all the money we can or you know whatever. I, I understand the argument. I don't agree with the argument. You know, you can still be uh, a leader and a connector and, and somebody who can really, you know, advance the cause of the city uh, without having, you know, those deep entrenched political kind of organs, uh, let's say. So, uh, organs, you know, just, better, right? <laughs> organs, I, I, you know. I, well, Mayor Tack just I, got the funding. I mean, he was just, he, Mayor Tack did his job and appeared with Governor Pritzker. And, uh, and, uh, uh, you know, I saw that. I saw that in the newspaper. I, yeah, I saw a picture of it. So I, I read the Lake McHenry scanner quite often, and I saw that picture. And I, I was really, I was kind of nervous for Mayor Tack because he looked like J.B. Pritzker might eat him. So, you know, it, it, but, we, but yeah. seriously, I, I, I think they've, I think they have made it a point to say, hey, look, you know, when elections are over, we work with whoever wins. And, and he, uh, Pritzker, Pritzker won by as much of a landslide over uh, it's um, the unelectable Darren Bailey as, as Rand yeah. did over Prue Beidler. Well, right? you know, there, there's certain people who make the argument that Darren Bailey was hand chosen by J.B. Pritzker, you know, in order to be the candidate. Yeah. Um, but, you know, to what I was going to say is it's the whole idea of you, you got to date with the girl who or dance with the girl who brung you. Right. You know, and so. You look at certain like infrastructure projects, let's say we look at the pumping station or, you know, reconstruction of some of our infrastructure and we get state money. We get money from IDOT or whomever. And that's not to say that that's a bad thing, that we need to be just completely financially independent from the state. I think that that's kind of foolish. But um, you do want people who are going to be able to go out there and find that state grant or fi find that funding that's available to really make sure that we're doing our due diligence and we're being good fiduciaries for the citizens. Um, but at the same time, you know, you, at the end of the day, I think it's going to be private endeavors within the city that are really going to, you know, make the city flourish. It's not infrastructure projects. It's going to be creating community, creating, you know, the downtown area that's, it's beautiful, you know, historic. It, it's great to look at. It's great to shop there, but making sure that those shop owners, that they're, you know, supported, that they, they have, you know, they, they feel like the city's got their back when it comes to, you know, them doing business. So, um, you know, restaurants are great. New businesses are great, but we, we need to make sure that we're utilizing, uh, you know, all of the commercial uh, sort of real estate that we have available within the city in order to alleviate that tax burden from citizens. Jake, what do you like the most about being in Florida? You know, there's a lot of things. I, I think that for me, it's just, it's a little bit more peaceful. Um, you know, I've been able to simplify my life tremendously. Um, I don't have two cars anymore. I have uh, one car and I have a golf cart that I kind of zip around on and go to the grocery store and do whatever. Um, so for me, really just mental health, um, you know, I love be. I'm born and raised in the Chicago area. I'm from Buffalo Grove. My wife's from Glenview. I've spent my entire lifetime there, 40, 40 years, um, and I miss it tremendously. But 
it, it was getting to a point where I always felt there's a constant competition for resources. There's a competition for everything. And it was just this push and pull was just too much for us. And, you know, there was an opportunity that presented our, itself to us um, and we decided to, to move on it. You know, I think that for my wife and I, really the stars aligned, but I, you know, if you look at the primary motivator, it was really my children. I, I wanted to make sure that they were going to have a childhood in a place that uh, was more aligned with our values, that was more aligned with the uh, lifestyle and the pace that we wanted to have. Um, and that's why we chose Florida. I mean, big thing, talk about education, universal school choice. I moved down here. I was a citizen of Florida. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was a resident of Florida for about a week and I received a voucher to send my children to private school. There you um, go. And it, it worked out really well. And, you know, we're building a home right now and the the home that we're building, um, it's in a great school district, but unfortunately it's, it's busting at the seams. We've seen tremendous growth in this area. So, you know, we decided that we were going to send our kids to a, a parochial school and having that voucher there really just helped make that decision so much easier that, you know, we said, Hey, th this is in our interest. It's worth it. So we add up that we add up, you know, reducing our personal income tax obligations. We, you know, we add up, um, you know, just everyone talks about the weather. Yeah. Weather. Yeah. I don't like shoveling snow, but you know, but you know, we're in North Florida. It's still pretty temperate here. We get about three seasons. I'll take it. You know, it's good. No state income tax in Florida. Yeah, no, no personal state income tax. And, you know, for a lot of people who are business owners, when when depending on how their business is structured, if that tax flows through their personal return, it's a significant difference. I mean, it's you're really talking about, you know, you're looking at, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars that you're saving. So our home had never been worth more money in Lake Forest. You know, it, we we had very good timing when, when we bought versus when we sold. So, you know, everything made sense from the financial point of view. But really, it, it's. It's about the community. And, you know, I didn't want to put my kids through public school in Illinois. You know, my son going into fifth grade, we all know about the, the laws around sex education and things like that. I didn't feel comfortable with uh, public employees having those conversations with my children. Um, so I decided that it was time to time to move on. You know, just it, it wasn't a fit for us anymore. Well, you're not alone in in doing what you did moving from Illinois to Florida. Illinois has the largest outbound migration rate in the sure. country. Yeah. Uh, percentage. I think California has more people wise, but as a percentage of population, Illinois is, is number one. Uh, uh, might be a different finger than this one. Uh, <laughs> but highest outbound migration rate and includes a former governor of Illinois, Bruce Rauner. He moved to Florida. So uh, there's right. a lot happening. With Florida, I, I, Florida could is on track to pass California one day as the, as the largest state in population. What you see it in just uh, in terms of representation, right? You know, Illinois is is losing congressional seats. Uh, California's or California's lost congressional seats. Florida's picking up seats. Yeah, I mean, people are going to vote with their feet. Um, and you know, there's the whole thing. Yeah, I, I don't want you to California, my Florida, or California, my Texas, or Illinois, my Florida, whatever. Um, so as long as people vote consistently, you know, and don't bring their bad ideas along with them, I'm I'm totally okay with it. But you know, just by the numbers, yeah, you're right. I mean, you look at the unfunded pension liabilities within the state. You you look at the finances and everything else. There's really a very limited future for 
my children staying in Illinois. And, you know, as much as it pains them to leave their friends behind, um, you know, I just ask that they trust me as their father to make a good decision for the family. And that's really what it comes down to. I, I don't see Illinois being sustainable in the long term. Uh, my own personal prediction is within the next five or six years, the people who have the means to leave, they'll have left. Uh, everybody else who can't leave will be stuck there in a, in a certain way. You know, they'll say, oh, I can't refinance my house. I can't move because the rates are too high or I don't have enough savings or the taxes are too high. The property value has gone down. It's it's just it's in a really bad place. I feel like it's in a little bit of a a downward spiral. Um, you look at the crime, you know, obviously we, we touched on crime just a little bit earlier. Crime is on the increase. Um, you know, Lake Forest, thankfully, has a very, uh, you know, well-trained, great police force. You know, they do the best with what they got. But when you have the state's attorney not supporting them, um, you know, obviously that's, that's really frustrating. But we do see even recently an uptick in property crime, you know, along, you know, Route 41 and those areas that kind of connect you know, other sorts of pockets that have more crime into Lake Forest. So, you know, having that element within the community, it's unsettling. You know, it, it's obviously not violent crime, but it starts with property crime. And then who knows where it goes from there? I just I didn't want to stick around to find out. The vouchers is very interesting to me. And I, I think that creates competition. And sure. if nobody wants to go to that school, then something's going to ha have to happen to that administrator right. and, and, and all that stuff. Uh, the school districts, Joe's telling me there's so many school districts in Illinois, and I'm guessing there's fewer in Florida. So I would I'm think. Gl I'm glad you brought it up, Pete, because I got yeah. my notes right here. Yeah. So it, and I looked it up in Florida. We have 73 school districts. Okay. Um, in Illinois, it's 852. So that's 873 in Lake County. I know. So <laughs> I. You know, obviously that creates bloat. It, it 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 lends itself to waste, fraud, and abuse um, when it comes to tax dollars. So, you know, being able to leave that system and streamline it, you know, is is definitely an advantage. Now, Florida has, let's see, last population that I saw, let's see, 21, 21.25 million. Illinois is about 12 and three quarters. So, you know, it's about one and a half times the students in Florida, but Illinois has 12 times the districts, you know, it's, you know, they're, they're actually like, if you look at it on paper, it's kind of linear, you know, and you see it. So our average cost per pupil in Florida is just a little bit over $10,000 in Illinois. It's uh, almost 13,000. Right. So, you know, it's almost 30% difference. Um, you know, how can you sit there objectively and just look at the numbers and be like, Illinois is crushing it. We're, we're doing such a great job. You know, it's, it's hard. And you look at the, the incentive structure around public employee unions. So in Illinois, I believe that we have, sorry, looking at my notes, we have 654 pension systems within Illinois. So the ability for somebody to do 20 years at a job, get a pension, start working, do another 10, 15 years, get a second pension or a third pension, you know, that's insane. Now, Florida, when it comes to pension systems, isn't much better. They have uh, 468. Um, so I wouldn't say that they're doing a lot better, but they're still ahead of Illinois. But you look at a state like Wisconsin, how many does Wisconsin have? Four. They have four pension systems in the state of Wisconsin. So police, firefighters, teachers, and any other public employee. So they've managed to streamline that process. You know, I just, I don't see a pathway forward considering the structure that's in place around 
public employee unions and teachers unions and things like that, and the people who are in charge, the J.B. Pritzkers of the world, to really put out an effort and say, you know what, we're going to take this problem seriously. We have a fiduciary responsibility to our citizens to make sure that we're providing the most honest, most efficient service possible. It's just, it's not going to happen in my lifetime, I'm afraid. So that's that's a big reason why we left. We just, you know, we're paying all this money in property taxes, income taxes, the business tax, everything else just wasn't a value to live here. Second thing, Jake, is uh, I don't know what the right wording is. The woke mentality, the virtue signaling, the people in Florida have a little bit tougher skin. They're not as so uh, triggered as in Illinois. I noticed that. Did you notice that? And why, why is that? Yeah, no, I definitely notice it. I think uh, what I've seen in my experience is there's more of a live and let live kind of philosophy uh, here in Florida. Um, people can have differing points of view um, and they can be very outspoken about it. And people will just kind of, you know, say, okay, whatever, you know, that's fine. That It's like Lebowski, you know, well, that's just like your opinion, man, you know, like, and, and people get along with that. It, it's really good. Um, you know, where I am in Florida, there's a lot of transplants. Not many people in my area are from this area. Um, so they're from all over the East Coast, um, the South, you know, they're, they're kind of people who have come here over the last 10, 20 years. And they seem to all just be able to coexist because nobody here is really entrenched and rooted in sort of uh, a mentality. And, you know, linking that back to Lake Forest, I think there's a lot of Lake Foresters who kind of get entrenched and say like, well, I've lived in Lake Forest for 50 years and, you know, I have, I, it should be this way and it shouldn't be that way. And I, I, my opinion counts. Your opinion doesn't matter as much. You know, we see that with like the East side versus the West side, you know, there's certain people who live on the East side. Like if you tried to make them go West of Green Bay road, they probably have a heart attack. So we, we would joke because I lived in the fourth ward. I was on the west side. We call it Elf, which is extreme East Lake Forest. My daughter's friends have said we live in fake forest because we're out by Eloa. So, yeah. But Jake, what is what is that mentality? I'm trying to put a you can't say woke because that just triggers them all. But it's like um, we, no, the liberal thinking and I'm using the word liberal because I don't have another word for it. It's just. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. There is no other point of view. I can't hear you. So therefore, I just shut you down versus being open minding and minded and hearing what somebody else to say. I don't see that in Illinois. I see that in Florida. What is that way of thinking? Can you describe it better than me? No, I, I, it's very vague. It's very ambiguous. Um, unfortunately, you know, in our day and age, there's a lot of currency uh, involved when it comes to being a victim and, and feeling like you've been victimized. Um, and so being able to take that position and, and have that leverage uh, in society is very beneficial to a lot of people. Um, you know, I could sit here for another two hours with you, Pete, and try and go through the socio kind of sociology of it and why take people ownership. act that way. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of it has to do with um, different generations and the struggles that they've been through, et cetera. But really, I think what it comes down to is, you know, progressive type people, liberal people, woke people, whatever right, you right, want right. to call it, they um, they don't like strength. They don't like uh, they don't like anything 
that is higher than themselves in a lot of ways. Um, so when they can get the upper hand by saying, I've been a victim or I'm virtuous or you're a bad yeah. person, yeah. you know, that, that to them has so much more, um, so much more weight. It, it carries so much more authority um, that that's why they gravitate towards that mentality versus people who are more conservative. Um, I realize that there are things in life I can't control and there's things that I can control. So I focus on the things that I can control about my life, um, you know, where I live, for example. Uh, but otherwise, the things I can't control, I'm going to let it go. And, you know, people people are people. There's 300 plus million of us in the United States. Yeah. Everybody's got a different opinion. Um, some people share my opinion on things. Some people don't. So there's, there's a market for everybody. Third thing, Jake, on Florida on the downside, absolute worst drivers. Oh my God. It's either yeah, they're, they're pretty bad. or they're a construction person in a pickup racing to get to a job crossing the, the Kennedy like Expressway in rush hour, Pete. That is bad. <laughs> You it's know what? Like I'll say this, Joe. Frogger. I think the people on the Kennedy are more predictable drivers. You could definitely anticipate what people are going to do when you drive in there a little bit better. Um, but down here, yeah, people drive. But I would say my chief complaint really is the cuisine. Uh, the food is absolutely terrible. Everything fell off the Cisco truck. It's just deep fried garbage. And I just don't like the food. Sorry. I'm a snob. <laughs> All right, Jake. Jake, uh, any, anything else you want to bring up? We really press. Uh, uh, let's see. We talked about taxes, future of Lake Forest, um, you know, culture, you know, East versus West. I think I hit most of the main things right. I, I wanted to talk about. But, you know, again, if I could just summarize it, my my whole motivation to come on the podcast was really just to share my experience and say that when I left our community, it was a difficult decision. It, it was not easy to make. And really, if I ever came back to Illinois, there's only one place I'd want to live, and that's Lake Forest. It, it's the most fantastic place. It's really a gem. And really, it's the people. The people there are amazing. And I know there's certain individuals, Pete, that maybe you don't tend to like or agree with, and that's okay. But I think on the whole, on the whole, you know, most people there are really just down to earth, regular, you know, very friendly, affable people. Um, you know, Florida, yeah, for me, it, it's just, it's what my family needs. It, it's where I want to, you know, try and, you know, fulfill all my goals and everything else. Um, you know, has its shortcomings like anywhere else. It's not perfect, uh, but definitely a great place to visit, even if you don't want to live here. Jake Weiser, thank you so much for coming on the Lake Forest. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate the time and I'm welcome to come back anytime if you'll have me. The Lake Forest Podcast is supported by viewers, listeners, and businesses just like you. Looking for the best pool supplies? Look no further than Doheny's Pool Supplies. With a history dating back to 1967, this family-owned business offers everything families need to keep their pools clean and sparkling from chemicals to equipment. Plus, customers enjoy free shipping on all orders. Visit Doheny's Pool Supplies today at Doheny.com, D-O-H-E-N-Y.com to learn more.
Broker Michelle Parnell has lived and worked in Lake Forest for over two decades. Michelle's lending experience, when combined with her real estate expertise, makes her an invaluable asset to her clients as they navigate their home buying or selling process. Call Michelle now at 847-528-8721, 847-528-8721. For the best cannabis in the world, look no further than Iliad Epic Grow. Owned by Lake Bluffs on Rich Ruzich, they are a cannabis cultivation center focused Focusing on hard-to-find small batch products that will delight both the occasional user and Gangier. When visiting Michigan, ask for it by name. Epic Products, exceptional process. For more information, email info at iliadgrow.com. Havy Communications has been helping first responders arrive safely since 1983. It's owned by Lake Forest own Mike Havy. Check them out at havycommunications.com. Laracy and Company CPAs founded in 2010 by Lake Forest own Brian Laracy specializes in tax preparation and bookkeeping services. Earning the People Love Us on Yelp Award, their process is straightforward. Just upload, review, and file. For a free quote, visit LaracyCPA.com. Now that's L A R I S E Y C P A dot com. Explore top tier aesthetic care at Aesthetic Beauty Lounge where they specialize in the latest Botox and fillers. Experience the pinnacle of elegance and professionalism in every treatment. Ready for your transformation? Visit Aesthetic Beauty Lounge at 775 Bank Lane in Lake Forest. That's near Wisconsin Avenue. Begin your journey to beauty today. We'd also like to say we're thankful for our Patreon supporters, Otto, John C., Helen, and Herrick.